are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, welcome. It's me, Breezy Bree with Yoga Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The episode that you're about to listen to is from a private online workshop series that I hosted at the beginning of the year called Yoga 101. So as it suggests, this is perfect for those of you who might be brand new to yoga or considering beginning a yoga practice. So this first session is all lecture. I go through what I consider to be some of the reasons why you might be considering a yoga practice on and off of the mat. Over the next several weeks, I will roll out different sessions. Some will begin you to actually practice on your mat as we go over some of the most fundamental ideas, concepts, and postures to a yoga practice. Now, previously on Yoga Podcast, I held a series of yoga pose breakdowns, which you can find by searching my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for a link, as well as a tab on the website that is called Yoga 101, where you can get a link to a ton of information that has already been pre-recorded, such as why do we say namaste, what does om mean, different disciplines of yoga, all of the questions that go through your mind when you are a beginner to this beautiful practice. So I hope you enjoy the workshop series that I did at the beginning of the year went really, really well. I've been teaching yoga 101 workshops for quite some time, live and now online. And I am so grateful to be able to share this with all of you on Yoga Podcast for free. So enjoy and go in peace. Namaste. Hello, welcome to Yoga 101. This is a beginner's workshop. If you are new to yoga, then this is the perfect, perfect workshop for you. We are going to discuss and review a few different topics that I believe as a yoga teacher and as a student are really important to beginning to lay the foundation to your practice of yoga. So we are going to discuss some of the most fundamental things that I really encourage you as a new yoga student to consider when you are entering into a practice and even though there's going to be a lot to cover, I want you to grasp and hold on to what sticks out to you and for you to not try to be an A plus student, but rather think of yourself as beginning your journey on a lifelong practice. Some of what we will cover will seem foreign or brand new. Some of it will make you think of 
other opportunities of where you have already engaged in different practices, different philosophies, and I want you to remember that all of that is really important to your practice. You can bring all of that energy on the mat. So allow yourself to be open. You know, I want you to take your hands and bring them together, palms facing up. And I want you to pretend they're a little bowl and you're just catching water from the rain. I want you to think of you as this bowl. And sometimes water will seep through this makeshift bowl that you've created with your hands, but that's okay. You will also catch what is meant for you to catch. And the best way of learning about this beautiful practice is to do just that, to practice. So you are going to hear things throughout this workshop that you really have to put into practice. And so the best way to do that is to get on your mat and to do it, whether that's today or in the future. But the point is, is that you want to engage in the practice of yoga. You don't wanna just hear about it, okay? So being studious is amazing. Being a student is a huge, huge part of the practice, you know, this practice of study. But we want to be practitioners, so we want to actually do it. We want to create motion. So with that said, if you didn't already know, it's me, Breezy Bree, and I will be your guide, your teacher, your fellow student throughout this workshop. I am a yoga teacher. I have studied many, many hours. I have officially studied my 200-hour yoga teacher training as well as 500 hours with Yoga Alliance. I am considered an expert or experienced or <laughs> whatever the destination is that Yoga Alliance allows us to have. I've also studied under the International Association of Yoga Therapists, and I have another 500 hours in the discipline of yoga therapy, which really focuses on Ayurveda. I specialize in trauma-informed practices to include yoga. I am a rape crisis counselor, and I also happen to have an MBA in business. So I like to think of myself as being really involved in this world of yoga philosophy. And I am still a student, you know, whenever we tend to learn something, we gravitate to what is most resonating with us. And so for me, it's always been the background of dance as I am a former professional dancer specialized in contemporary dance uh, background in ballet I was a top dancer salsa competitor so um, it's been a fun journey for me but I've also been an athlete you know marathon runner I've sustained 
major injuries in my knees, my hips. I have bunions on my feet from dance and from running. And I beat my body up and used it as a tool only to find out later that I was going to need this body <laughs> for the rest of my life. And so as the body ages, I've learned how to utilize practices and self-care routines and regimens to help me to heal, yoga being one of those. But when I started to heal my physical body, it only reminded me of areas that were unhealed, such as my mental, my emotional, my spiritual side. And that is something that has awakened in me over the last decade, is being able to deal with areas of my life to find true alignment. And that's where I really started to learn about energy systems, such as the chakras. And I like to utilize this system in my life every chance I get, just to remind me of where I am on the spectrum, if I feel whole, if I feel connected back to self. And as you will learn during your journey with yoga, it tends to open up wherever you need it to open up in your life. Now, I do wanna say that yoga is not a religion. It has been practiced by, by very religious people for thousands of years. And so anytime you have the human experience of spiritual beings, um, collaborating and creating, you might have interference of different, you know, traditions, different ancestral, cultural, inspirational, and sometimes very religious practices intertwined. And that's what has happened with many different disciplines, yoga being one of those. Now, before we begin today's workshop, I want you to think of yoga as being this huge umbrella. And there are many disciplines, many ideologies under this beautiful philosophy. And you have the opportunity, the choice, the wisdom to be able to choose what speaks to you. Now, when you think of yoga and Western culture, Western society, whether it's the United States or the European cultures or the North American or even just first world culture, you can think of yoga as this studio practice, you know, go and move your body, stretch, get some stress relief and go on about your day, right? It's just an hour of your time and many people come to yoga for just that they want to relieve themselves of the stressors of everyday life or they want to heal an injury or they want to recover from something they're not thinking about the big philosophy the background the information that is intertwined in the teachings of yoga and that is okay like many of you, I came to yoga after years of beating up my body, as I mentioned, to get some relief. And, you know, many people told me yoga would do just that. And it did. It helped me to align my hips, 
to then um, pretty much heal my knee injuries, to realign my spine, and over time, it opened up awareness because once you start to connect back to your physical state, it gets deeper and deeper. You know, you cannot subset yourself forever when you start to really engage back with self-care, when you start to feel that pride and that awakening and that awareness, it tends to open up everywhere. And what I like to tell my students is yoga will always meet you on the mat. So whatever your culture, whatever your belief system, your background, however you self-identify, yoga will meet you there. So if you consider yourself extremely religious, no matter what that religion is, yoga will just carve a space for itself with your already belief systems. If you do not consider yourself religious, yoga will help you to connect back to what you consider to be your spiritual side. If you are just in it for the physicalities, the healing of the body, the awareness of body image and self-awareness, yoga has a place for you there. If you're in it for mental relaxation or just coming into alignment with your mental and emotional self, yoga will meet you there. But what it will do is it will awaken your most deepest parts of self. It will bring out maybe your best self, maybe your most subconscious side, and it will have you face who you really are. And if who you really are has been someone who's suffered from trauma, pain, abuse, and you have a broken heart, yoga will magnify you healing that part of yourself. So it is like a therapy session every time you place yourself on the mat. And some of this is esoteric. I can't explain the why. I just know it happens to every single one of us that goes on this journey and commits to it. If yoga starts to feel uncomfortable to you, maybe physically, emotionally, mentally, it could be because you are facing something with yourself. And yoga is not the only discipline that does this. You know, if you became a runner, if you became a person who studied meditation, if someone who studied other disciplines like martial arts or dance, it's about being aware and awakened with something in self that draws this out in you. So I want you to understand that this isn't just a yogic principle. It is whenever you make that mind-body connection as a spiritual being having a human experience, which is truly my belief, you tend to awaken parts of yourself that you hadn't really considered that might be stagnant or dormant. So be prepared for that. For many of us, this is a beautiful awakening, a beautiful journey. But as I mentioned, I specialize in trauma-informed yoga practices. And I understand that sometimes it does awaken something in self that you then go on a huge expedition of exploration. 
I don't know who quoted it, and I didn't know I was going to even say this in the workshop today, so I don't have a quote prepared. But it makes me think of the quote where you are encouraged, if nothing else, to get to know yourself. So you can spend this entire lifetime being a mother, a father, a daughter, a son, a teacher, a student, but really your aspiration, your goal, you should be inspired to know you, to understand yourself. And many of us go through life giving, 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 and not receiving or not having compassion for self. And really, yoga is all about the spine, right? It's all about aligning the spine when we think of the physical practice, which we'll talk about, which we call asana and yoga. But it really, really, truly is about getting to know yourself. And anytime you put the mind, body, spirit in motion, you're doing just that. You're creating a relationship with yourself. It is the ultimate in self-care. It doesn't always feel like self-care, just like a massage doesn't always feel delicious, right? Sometimes it's breaking up muscles, sometimes it's getting out knots, but ultimately you know it's good for the body. That's yoga, that's your practice, that's your life's calling and journey. So if you're here with me today, this is your calling, you've been called to this moment. So thank you and welcome. All right, let's begin the Yoga 101 workshop. Let's, let's become students of this beautiful practice. Let's begin our journey. So I invite you to find yourself seated comfortably, if not already. You can be seated in any way you see fit. You know, sometimes when we think of practicing yoga, we think of images that come to mind. You know, people doing things with their fingers, which we call mudras in yoga. You know, they have their thumb placed against their index finger or what have you. And we try to sit up straight and we try to have this look and we look very yogi-like. <laughs> but I want you to just be yourself. Let yoga meet you where you're at. So just sit comfortably. <sighs> Don't worry, you have plenty of time to learn why we do what we do in the practice of yoga, why we sit the way we sit, why we do what we do with the fingers or the, the breath. But for now, just be yourself. Learn to love who you are and be most comfortable in your own position and then grow from there. So planting the seed in what's already fertile, fertile land. That's you. Yoga is like a garden. Actually, you are the garden, right? You're the, you're the everything, you're the soil. And with yoga, you learn to cultivate, to water, to till, to de-weed, and to grow. You learn to go with the seasons. You learn to move with the wind. And sometimes things don't grow. Sometimes things get overpopulated with the weeds. Sometimes we don't tend to the garden. 
But I want you to think about your practice like that of a garden. You can envision the blooms, the flowers, the fruits and veggies, the trees. You can envision the beautiful bright sun, the drizzle of rain. You can envision the ladybugs, the birds, the bees. But I want you to also realize that just like a real garden, sometimes things rot. Sometimes there's an infestation. Sometimes we have to clean things up. We have to move things around. We have to reconsider. Sometimes we planted two seeds next to each other that cross-pollinate and create beauty. Sometimes they create damage or they don't create at all. For those of you who actually garden for real, you can completely understand for those of us who maybe do not actually get our hands in a garden, first of all, I invite you to plant and grow and see how challenging it is to even just manage watching a sprout happen. Be involved in that because it allows you to see that in yourself. So I want you to think of your lifelong practice like this garden. The feelings of accomplishment at times, the feelings of disappointment, pain of loss when, just when you grew those blueberries, some critter decides to munch on them. <laughs> Your feeling of anger and discovery, but maybe transferring that energy to rejoice when you think about the little critter getting those delicious berries and maybe you, you not having the opportunity. Knowing that sometimes you want to control that, so you have to plant deterrents, cactuses, create boundaries, create a fence, create shelter. Sometimes the winds are too strong and they take out the leaves of a beautiful tree or plant that you were harvesting. Sometimes the rainfall is just too dramatic and it floods the garden. Sometimes there's no rain at all and it dries out everything in that season. Maybe you have to learn which seasons to plant which things. You have to become strategic and thoughtful and study. I want you to think of your life, your practice of yoga on and off of the mat exactly in this way. There's a season for everything. There's a time and a place. There is opportunities that you need to engage in. Sometimes you need to not plant that seed because it's not the right time. Sometimes you get lucky and, and something flourishes against all the odds. Many times we need to create healthy boundaries, not because 
we don't want to feed those critters or blueberries, but because we don't want to put in all that hard work and not have control over feeding those critters the blueberries. Life is very much this way. And yoga will teach you tools if you want it to, if you look for them, on how to navigate. And that's why this is a lifelong practice. Not because we want to be flexible, although we will become more flexible. Not because we want to get into handstand, although many of you will. Not because we want beautiful posture, although that is a byproduct of the practice, but because we want a better understanding of self and compassion. So as we embark on this journey together and you on your own, I want you to think of your practice as being that of introspection Yoga means to unite, to yoke. You're going to learn a lot about the beauty of this tradition. It comes from people who had this innate belief, who looked to the energies that we are surrounded with every single day to help facilitate us. The power within and the power that comes externally. The life force energy that we call oxygen that flows in and out of our bodies every single moment. For without it, we cease to exist. The ability to look for opportunities to be grateful and to honor ourselves and others seeing the beauty first and foremost before anything else, dealing with life's challenges as they come, not predicting them, not looking for them, but rather being in the present in every sense of the moment, understanding that we have that right that control. We can decide to take a moment to focus on breath, to appreciate life itself. And although there are many things in our own body's infinite wisdom that works against us, there are many things in our bodies infinite wisdom that works for us. We just have to tap into it, encourage it to flourish. 
So let's go ahead and let's center ourselves. I invite you to have a soft gaze of your eyes. I want you to listen to the breath that naturally comes through the body. You don't even have to think about it, it just happens. So imagine if you actually intentionally create. I want you to think of every cell of your body getting a delicious oxygen hug with every inhalation. And as you exhale, I want you to think of it as releasing nothing but positivity out into the world. That way, when you inhale, you receive nothing but positivity back. I want you to engage in a new mindset. Now in yoga, under this philosophy, breath, which we call yoga of the breath, pranayama, prana meaning life force energy, vital life force energy, because it is is the most important part of a yoga practice. There are many practices that focus on breath. Yoga is just a practice that acknowledges that it focuses on breath. No matter what you do on the mat, if you are not putting your breath as an intentional practice, many believe you are no longer in practice of yoga. Now yoga is a huge philosophy, so when I say that, I mean that in a way of what we consider yoga practice of the physical. If you are taking a brisk walk through a park of beautiful trees and you begin to focus intentionally on your breath as you take deep inhalations and deep exhalations, you can consider yourself to be practicing yoga amongst other things. If you are in a yoga class and you're moving your body into a shape and you're not intentionally aware of your breath, then you cannot be considering yourself practicing yoga in that moment. Just to give you an idea of the differences. So just because you show up with a rolled mat under your arm 
in your yoga pants to a studio doesn't mean that you're fully present in the practice. Now, it also doesn't mean that you're not intentionally trying to be fully present in the practice. Just making an extreme example to polarize the thought that moving the body into these beautiful shapes doesn't necessarily classify the most important part of the practice, which is the breath. And one of the other reasons why I wanna make this such an intentional point is because a lot of times we think those who can move their bodies in the most challenging pretzely postures are the ones who are doing the most yoga on the mat. And that's not true. Those who are focusing on the breath, giving every cell of their body that delicious oxygen hug are actually doing the most advanced yoga. The postures is a challenge to bring us into the present. Whether you are in downward facing dog or you are completely upside down in handstand, it doesn't matter as long as your breath is keeping you in the present moment, making that mind-body connection. For some, being a downward facing dog is a challenge enough with intentional breath. And for some, it's not challenging and only being upside down while intentionally breathing brings them in the present moment. If you notice that when you're practicing, you're also thinking about your worries, then you need to challenge your practice more, whatever that means. If being intentional with your breath is not enough, you're still multitasking with your worries, then you need to take it to the next level. And that's what asana, the postures, does. Focusing on your breath here, listening to your body, starting to gain this beautiful body awareness. Making the mind-body connection. Now I want you to open your eyes, if not already. I want you to move your body around. If that means you need to stand up, whatever you need to do, just get some blood flowing. Allow your normal, natural breath to come back to play and now we're going to have a bit of a conversation so if you want to take notes or you just want to listen be comfortable in doing so so we're going to talk about yoga practice let's talk about the yoga mat now, a yoga mat is a sacred place. 
So I want you to treat your mat with love and kindness. When your mat is rolled out, that is your time for yourself. Sometimes your dogs and cats think it's a time for them. <laughs> but seriously, it is a sacred moment, a sacred space. And I want you to think about it that way. Many people buy mats that mean something to them. Maybe they're eco-friendly. Maybe they have a message on them, a picture that they love, something that identifies who they are, some sort of a representation. Maybe it's just the color of the map that brings them peace. Whatever it is, I want you to think of your mat as being a sacred part of your practice. Your mat doesn't have to be expensive. Your mat doesn't have to be anything other than a notification that it's time to practice. Now you do not need a mat to practice yoga. You can practice right on the lawn or right on the beach or right on your living room carpet or whatever feels comfortable. I mean, let's face it, the mat isn't doing anything but separating very thinly between you and whatever flooring or grounding you're on. So it's not really about that. It's just a sacred space. Now, when we think of the yoga mat, I want you to try to encourage yourself to actually practice with a mat that is specified for yoga. I know a lot of times people go out and buy their first mat, they get a very thick mat that's really for floor exercises or even Pilates in hopes that this mat will feel more comfortable. And it probably does feel more comfortable. It feels a bit like a a variation of a mattress, so to speak, right? There's, there's not a lot of pliability and give with a traditional yoga mat because it's very thin. But I want you to consider, and it's just a consideration, you're going to do what's best for your body. I want you to consider getting a yoga mat that's special and specialized for yoga, nice and thin. And it allows you to engage with the earth element. As hard as you press into the mat with your hands or your feet, it presses back against you. It allows you to have stability. So if you're balancing on one foot, it's not like you're balancing on your mattress on one foot. It's like you're literally balancing on a wood floor. There are props that you can purchase if you're worried about your knees, which is usually why people buy the Pilates mat or like a thicker mat because they want to be comfortable when they're on their hands and knees or on their back. So there's blankets, 
there's little paddings that can roll into the mat that you can move around under your knees or under your hands or under your lower back when you're in Shavasana. So I encourage you to get something like that in addition to your yoga mat. Now, if you already have a Pilates mat or a thicker mat that you're working with, anytime you're balancing on one foot, just step off of your mat. Step right onto the floor and allow yourself to engage. When we practice yoga, we use every single inch of our awareness with our bodies. So if your feet are on the earth, we're using every point of the foot to engage. If your hands are on the earth, they are acting as feet. So we wanna feel the earth element pressing back against us and we wanna create stability. We don't wanna have instability because actually, even though it feels like comfort, instability creates possibilities for injury. So if your ankles or your wrists are not fully supported, then you might have instability. Now instability is good when you're building your core, right? You're using a instability ball or something of that nature, but we don't want that with our joints, right? We want them to feel solid. So that's the importance of a traditional yoga mat. It's also why we don't practice typically on like a rolled out blanket or towel, although you can if you have no other options or if you're advanced in your stability of your muscles. But for the most part, just a nice yoga mat that creates a sense of consistency is important. Now, one of the reasons why we also tend to practice barefoot, although it's not required, is we want that same stability that I just emphasized with the yoga mat. If you're wearing socks, you can't really spread your toes, you can't really feel the earth, you cannot find stability. Now, if you have a reason why you need to wear socks or shoes, for instance, then honor that. But if it's just because you're not used to being barefoot, there are socks that are made just for yoga that have, you know, um, restrictions at the bottom of the padding of the sock so that you're not sliding around. That might be something to consider. There's also that same idea for hands, but your fingers and your toes are loose and released so that you can move them around and claw into the earth getting real primitive with the way that you practice yoga, reminding your body of what it's known for thousands of years. Honestly, many of us who come to this practice of yoga are not used to moving our hands and feet. We're not used to engaging the palms and the balls. We're not used to emphasizing pelvic rotation, spinal correction and alignment, breathing in and against the ribs of the body. We're not aware of this. 
We don't spend our days climbing, squatting. So we forget what it's like to spread the toes, to spread the fingers, to hold on for dear life. <laughs> so we want to engage in some of that during our practice waking up all of the muscles, creating activity in the nervous system, linking back to the brain, the thyroid gland being activated, the air traffic controller of all the hormones in the body. We want all of that to come with us during our practice. So that is why we are barefoot. On a spiritual level, we find ourselves being connected to the earth, to the ground, to the root, making that connection consciously, being one with mother nature. Whether you're practicing outdoors or indoors, you're just connecting in a way that allows you to be childlike again. I mean, what do they say? Even babies who begin to walk should learn to walk barefoot and not immediately putting shoes on them. I want you to think of that when you're practicing yoga. Yoga is like the nakedness of the soul coming out through the physical. There are many postures that are named after animals, postures that remind you of being a kid again, things that babies do, toddlers do inherently, that we're reminding ourselves of again, even though they're so natural to us, they're just buried deep. Yoga will start to bring that out and you'll start to feel that. So that's why we're barefoot. I want you to think about props in yoga. Now there are some disciplines of yoga that don't really lean into using props, but for the most part, I want you to think of props as being extensions of whatever it is that you are doing. So if you have a yoga block on the earth, it's extending the earth closer to you. You're not trying to get longer arms, you're not trying to get a longer spine. You're not trying to get longer legs. You're just creating an extension so that your perfect body finds stability. I always tell my students that your arms are as long as they're meant to be. They're beautiful and they're perfect. But sometimes we need a block to help us to have a good alignment of the spine or just to bring the earth a little bit closer to our anatomy. So I don't want you to think of the block or the strap or using a wall or whatever props that you can find and utilize as being a way to disclose in public or even to self that you're not good enough for the yoga pose. I want you to think of it as, I want the most healthy spine the best alignment and I want to fulfill the expression and the purpose of the posture. 
not practicing yoga so I can look a certain way. I'm practicing yoga so I can feel a certain way. You're in it for the long game. You're in it to have daily physical therapy, daily massage therapy, daily mental therapy. So yoga is your glass of wine. Yoga is your medicine to life. And in order to get the most out of what it has to offer, you have to do what makes the most sense. So don't get pressured to not use a block or a blanket or a strap or a bolster or a wall or a chair or even a helper. Learning how to adjust your body during a class, creating that body awareness and allowing adjustments to take place by the teacher are really helpful. I want you to think of it like physical therapy, massage therapy, psychological therapy. Only you are the therapist or yoga is the therapist and your yoga and yoga is you. So now let's talk about these props. The most common props are the yoga block. It is helpful to have two blocks. Sometimes if you have a home practice, having four blocks is nice because you can stack them even higher or you can create blocks so that they create pillars for your body. If you like certain disciplines of yoga, there are many props involved, like restorative yoga, for instance. And it's nice to have these blocks. It's nice to own your blocks, although most studios offer them. It's nice to have your connection with your props. Just like your mat, they become sacred, they become yours. Not absolutely needed to lug in blocks and, and everything into classes, but definitely from, for your home practice, which you should always supplement a studio practice with a home practice, in my opinion. Having a personal practice is a way of being faced with your own sound of your voice. A mirror in yoga class can be considered a prop. Some people think of a mirror as a way of mirroring back to them their perception of self, but I want you to think of a mirror as more of a way to look for ways to engage deeper into your practice. So instead of staring at yourself from a perception point of view, seeing how good you look or don't look, judging yourself, I want you to look in the mirror and see what your spine looks like, what your pelvis tilt is, where your hips are, where your body is in time and space. That way you can get used to that feeling of what you see and how it actually feels. Or just like when you make an adjustment or a teacher comes and adjusts a hip a little bit, I want you to memorize that feeling because that will help you get the most out of your practice. 
body awareness. It also takes it off of the mat into other areas of your life. And especially as the body ages over time, as it all, as we all will. And I don't mean aesthetically, I mean just physically. Knowing what it feels like when your spine is aligned, when you have balance in your body, when you're neutral. Knowing what that feels like for you. Everybody is different. Some people have ailments and injuries. Some people are just shaped a certain way. Their bones are a certain way. Their anatomy is a certain way. So understanding what your body looks like and feels like at its highest vibration, at its highest polarity is important. So when you have a block, it can be on many different levels. You can hold it in the palm of your hands. You can use them almost like weights to create a bit of restriction. can use them to lift you up. You can use them to sit on, you can use them as pillows. <laughs> They're not the comfiest things, but surprisingly we get very used to blocks. But again, I think that's like this wisdom that the body recognizes from the days before we could just order fluffy pillows online. Be surprised what you're capable of enduring. So the blocks become really comfortable after you get used to them. You can grab a block and you can place it in between your thighs and you can engage your muscles. You can use a block, as I mentioned, as an extension from the earth to you. You can place a block under your lumbar spine for relief. There's so many ways to utilize a block and I advise everybody to have at least one, most likely two, or even more. So blocks should be a bit of a requirement in your practice. I want you to get used to using them. Sometimes I will utilize a block even if I can get into the full expression of the posture without the block, just to Engage in something different for that practice or that pose. To see what it feels like in my body, to take some pressure off or to add some pressure depending on what I'm doing. The next popular prop is the strap. There are lots of different variations of the strap. One of my favorites is called the infinity strap. It looks like the number eight. It allows you to connect your hands behind your back with the strap or to make a twist or turn. And instead of looking for a body part or trying to get your hands to connect, you can just connect with the strap. If you find that you have a hard time in yoga, interlacing your hands in very awkward twistings of the bodies, there are many reasons for that. It could be your muscles are really stiff in your upper body. It could be that maybe you have a bit more belly, so when you make the twist, you lose space, which is fine. You could also have, if you have lady parts, same reason. You might have shorter arms. 
Some people who can make these twists very easily may have longer arms. I have very long arms, so they just naturally twist and do all kinds of things that I'm not even engaging in, which you'll learn throughout yoga. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you're engaged. So just because I have long arms and they can twist and, and, and touch themselves or touch body parts or grab onto things doesn't mean I'm actually doing the posture in its highest vibration. So a strap comes in when we need it. It can help us to gain more flexibility. It can also help us with strength. If you pull a strap or like a belt or a towel on opposite ends away from each other, you can feel that contraction in the chest. So it can strengthen the body, can strengthen your grip, which can help you to have stronger wrists, stronger fingers when they're on the mat. So there's lots of uses for the strap. Now, the strap can also be intimidating, especially when people tie themselves up with the straps, right? Like they tie it onto their ankles so they can pull their leg up behind their head. And as a trauma practitioner and teacher, I understand that for some, it could be intimidating. So you can use a blanket or an old t-shirt that you cut up and it has some give. You can get the infinity strap, which I recommend to my students because it doesn't have that traditional look. But just play with the strap, become one with the strap, buy your own, get it in a vibrant color, make it something that is comfortable for you if you notice that there's some anxiety coming up with the strap. Another prop would be the blanket. The blanket's really important. Usually find them in yoga classes. You can buy your own. You can use the yoga class blanket. I have a few of my own because just like everything else, I like sacred space. The blanket's really neat because you can lay it flat. You can drape it over your body. You can find warmth with the blanket, obviously. But you can also roll it up to where it looks like a bolster or a pillow. You can fold it so that it can sit under your tail to give you space between the hard earth or even just flexion in your lower body. You can place it behind the knees. You can place it in so many different ways. You can fold it and roll it and do all sorts of different things with the blanket. So it's really neat. You can also place it under your knees when you're on hands and knees to give your knees reprieve. So it's very versatile. So I advise you to have a blanket. And usually they are, I think I said this already, but they're like called the Mexican blankets. You can find them. Lots of different fun colors. Easy to care for, easy to keep clean. Make it your own. Now, other props that I mentioned are like the bolster, the meditation pillow. Those are great if you utilize them. If you're in deep meditation or pranayama or restorative yoga. And you'll start to see that there's lots of props out there. There's like the yoga wheel, which I have. And you could do cool things with your spine and releasing 
tension and adding it to your practice. Eye coverings, things, props that go under your hands to take pressure off of your wrists. Although there's a lot, there's a lot of other ways to do that as well in your practice. So you can have a lot of different props if you have a home studio. You know, props can even be seen as blankets, or excuse me, as candles. I'm looking at my blanket. As candles and journals and music. So props can be about creating a sacred space. Props can be about enhancing your practice. Props can be about helping you have a healthy practice. Now I want us to think about some props that we forget exist. The wall. If you're in a balancing on one leg posture, grab a wall. Even if you're just touching it barely with your fingertip. The floor is your prop. A chair. Another person could be a prop. So I want you to think of your practice as being, again, that physical therapy that you're bringing to yourself. So don't try to be perfect. Leave your type A personalities at the door, off of the mat. When you enter the mat, you're in a sacred space of compassion. And whatever shows up on the mat for you that day, if you get into journaling, you can investigate the why. If you're having a tough time balancing, the mind might be busy or the hips just might be tight. So use a wall, get into the posture, find alignment with the body, give yourself a break. There are plenty of times where I practice an entire class myself without needing one prop. And then there's days where I just, no matter what I do, I can't find balance, I can't find strength, relaxation, but I still show up to the mat because that is a teacher. It's a teacher that my energies are needing to be grounded. Maybe I need to focus on what I'm eating, how much sleep I'm getting, what's going on in life. Yoga can be like a barometer for that. Maybe the body hurts, maybe I feel ill, maybe I just need to take rest. So as we wrap up today's workshop, I just wanna go over what we covered. We covered the importance of a practice, what it means, Knowing that it's lifelong, it's like the garden that you're tending to. We discussed the importance of pratyama, breath work, this life force energy, this vital life force energy that we call yoga of the breath. We talked about making this mind-body connection, opening up the spirit, creating body awareness, what yoga is capable of teaching us on and off of the mat. 
We discussed the yoga mat, the sacred space that you can create for yourself. All the different props, the reasons why we engage back to earth, being barefoot, everything having an inspirational purpose for us during our practice. We want to be inspired. It helps us to gain compassion for self and for others. And for today, that will conclude the workshop of Yoga 101, Session 1. Our next session, we will dive deeper into some of the fundamental postures that show up in class. We will discuss asana, which in Sanskrit means poses or postures. And we will learn about tabletop, cat-cow, neutralizing the spine, understanding the pelvis, shoulders, hips, and knees, the anatomical translation that will show up in every single pose, rooting your hands and feet into the earth, and why the importance of grounding yourself translates through the spine and helps to begin the process of yoga on the mat. So thank you so much for being with me for today's session of Yoga 101. It's been my pleasure and I look forward to the next session where we start to dive deep and you really will want to bring your mat, maybe a block or a blanket or both. Be ready to practice. For now, please do go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.